Hey guys, before we get cranking here, have you heard of the morning stream? TMS, maybe? None of these ring a bell? Well, that's because you're not listening to the greatest morning show ever created. Monday through Thursday, twice on Thursdays, over at frogpants.com slash TMS. There are links to subscribe to the feed on whatever player you use, whatever service you have. It's all free, and it's all there four days a week. That's the morning stream starring Scott Johnson and Brian Ibbett, and on Tuesdays, Justin Robert Young. The morning stream at frogpants.com slash TMS or wherever podcasts can be found. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Hotline Monday. I'm Scott Johnson with the masticating and uh, traveling and hockey player watching Justin Robert Young on the line. Hello, Justin. Hey, listen. We, we we have a show. It's a call-in show. Yeah. I've decided to take it literally <laughs> by calling into the show. Yeah. You're uh, you're literally at a taco. What's the taco place? Should we give them free advertising? What, what do they do there? Uh, I am at the Public Market Square in San Jose. Yeah. I am down here uh, to see the uh, Sharks play the Penguins in game four of the Stanley Cup final. The Penguins lead two to one and would take a commanding series lead going back to Pittsburgh should they be victorious tonight. And your expectation is the Penguins are going to go all the way? My expectation is domination. Wow. Wow. But you want to know what? We are not here to talk about NHL hockey. This is not a sports talk radio show. It's not. Instead, (laughs) we are here to talk about, uh, you know, we spent a lot of time on this show talking about Batman vs. Superman. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we did. Have done, will do, probably will again, yes. And a lot of that was centered around our disappointment. Mm-hmm. I feel like there is as large of a possible disappointment that we're just not talking about. And, and wh- that is, did you see X-Men? No. I, okay, you want to know why I didn't see it? Why? Okay, here's, I have two, I told you on this on text, so I'm going to pretend like I haven't told you this yet and say it on sure. the air. Two reasons I didn't see it. One is I just can't bring myself to care about it. Okay. Um, I think part of it is the last movie was, I found the last movie to be kind of disappointing. Yeah. And didn't feel like it was a return to form for the people who brought me one and two. Um, I also felt like two, like three different cameras were used, three different kinds of cameras. And they all, and it, and it looked weird. There were parts that seemed like digital video was cut in at the last minute on top of film, different aspect ratios. It just looked like crap to me. Anyway, didn't like the last one. So that's, I just don't feel like I can be bothered. Uh, also, every time I take me and the kids and Kim or something to a movie like this, it's like 50 bucks. So mm-hmm. that, so I wasn't like super motivated to spend a bunch of money. And thirdly, uh, my family's out of town for 10 days. So I don't go to movies by myself. I haven't done that in a couple of decades, man. So okay. Those well, are my you reasons. Wanna know, you want to know why else? Why? There's a third? Holy shit. Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. And, and I think this one might be even more important. How many of your Twitter following, social media following, chat room, has badgered you about not seeing it? None. Zero. Not a thing. Z- zero. Listen, I get now, feedback. Now, now, do you think that if you had gone this long without seeing Civil War or even Batman Superman, that your chat room, your social media following would would tolerate 
such an absence of of a pop culture pundit that they love and trust. No, you're right. You're totally. I hadn't thought about this at all, but it has been eerie quiet. And I'll tell you what, there's been no shortage of people saying, "Scott, you need to try to track down Ice Pirates. It's really good. I can't believe you never saw it when you were a kid." Like I get other recommendations for things that are out of print, yeah, out of the social uh, uh, pop culture consciousness or otherwise difficult to get or care about, yet not a single human being has come to me, approached me, and said a thing about the new X-Men movie. Isn't that weird? Mark, That's weird. That is very weird. Man, I thought you were going to talk longer, so I tried to sneak in a bite of It's fine. That Brian, listen, you, got, you need energy. You're at this game. You're going to this game. I understand. You can bas- no. masticate on the air. It's fine. Listen, we're going to we're gonna battle through. It's playoff time. So, <laughs> my question to you, is X-Men dead? Is X-Men dead as a franchise? That's what we want you guys to call in about. What's the number, Scott? It is 801-895-4724. We are taking your live calls on, on the show today. That's the question. Not only is it dead, uh, is it, and if it's not, tell us why. If you think it is, can it be saved? How can it be fixed? And does anyone even care? Like, it's not the worst thing to go see this week, for sure. There are a lot of other really crappy movies. From all accounts of friends that I do trust about their opinions you saw, they were just kind of meh on it. Yeah. They, they just haven't... Also, by the way, I feel like you can go back and listen. I think we did a spoiler show for Days of Future Past. Yeah, we, and may, we may have. I think we both liked it. Yeah. You know? Uh-huh. But I think, here's the bummer. Like, they just rebooted that franchise with a really rad cast not too long ago. Yeah. Right? Yeah. James McAvoy, uh, you know, Jennifer Lawrence, uh, um, what's his butt as Magneto. Like that's about as good of a casting in hindsight, even than that, that you could imagine. It's not like they casted a bunch of stiffs, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's my question is, do you care about X-Men? And cause like, there's part of me that's like, but we should be caring more, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, we at, the, at this stage we should be caring more, or at the very least there should be there should be something on the horizon that we're all going. Oh yeah, this is all building to something. Let's find out what this first caller thinks. Hi, you're on the air, and who is this? Hi, first time, long time. Uh, <laughs> Surprise, I got through. This is um, my name's Eric. It's the Buck RI on Twitter. Hey man, what's, what's you, going on? What's your, what's your, you? well, good. What's your take on the whole? Uh, do you think the X Men are over? Is it is it too much? Too too long? Time to reset it. Time to not care for a while. Like, what do we do with it? Yeah, it it might be time to just put it away for a while. And I mean, they've rebooted everything else, but the great basically the big problem right now is the Avengers and the whole Avengers universe is really just taking over everything Marvel related. Yeah, and I know that you know Marvel has that and Fox has X Men and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. What do, you, what do you think about well, the what, what do you think about the idea of of, of Marvel Studios proper getting the X Men franchise? back like oh i think it'd be i think that would be just like anything you know we all want marvel to have all the marvel things because when marvel does marvel they do it very well and when they don't see fantastic four or x-men it tends to be a pile of junk yeah yeah yeah. so all right so justin we got our first x-men was always the exception to that rule yeah right Mm -hmm. you know brian singer's x-men was among the first times that you saw a really top flight independent director 
taking the material seriously. Sure. This right. is 2001 or so, and it was at the time kind of uh, yeah. ground, groundbreaking in that way, yes. And and Toad indeed had a wicked tongue, Senator. Uh, <laughs> you know, there was, there was a lot to like. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was always the sign that, like, you know, before – before we could even dream that, you know, Marvel would would do so well making their own movies, uh, that was almost the model. Is is just and, and in a lot of ways, it's the model that people follow now. You know, even with, you know, Ryan Johnson. I don't think Ryan Johnson gets to direct a Star Wars movie if Brian Singer doesn't knock it out of the park with X Men. Oh yeah, no, right. Yeah. The idea of like, hey, you did two really good independent movies. Well, here, take this gigantic budget. Uh, genre franchise, try to bring a little character element to it, and we'll do the rest with all of our bada bing bang boom special effects. Like that works. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter now of whether or not there's just something that's not resonating with audiences when it comes to the X Men. Yeah, and it <clears throat> does feel like it's suffering from that thing we keep bringing up. And I know it's a dead horse, but. Uh... You know, Marvel Marvel outdid all their other properties they don't have the current rights to make in such a way that they took B and C tier characters and made them A tier and by some weird twist of fate pushed all the A tier material to feel like B and C tier, which is X Men and Spider Man. Those were those are Marvel's flagship things in the comic book world and they always were and always have been. And you could even argue in the movies they were at one point because that's all there was. Yeah. Along comes Marvel, and they're like, well, we only have rights to Iron Man, who right at the time nobody gave two shits about, uh, yeah. and all this other stuff. And they said, well, well, we can make that work. We can make Avengers, which again... Well, really, the only thing that people cared about Iron Man at the time was, you know, like Demon in a Bottle, Yeah, right? Whenever anybody talked about... And so, like, casting a literal alcoholic was, like, almost brilliant, right? Yeah. Because immediately you're, like, the most... The you know successful or or you know well regarded Iron Man run of all time was was about Tony Stark being an alcoholic. You cast somebody that not but three years ago was having trouble getting insurance to shoot a movie because he was so erratic with his substance abuse. Yeah. So it was like boom. Okay. Well now all of a sudden we got something going here. But let's get back to X Men. All right. But yeah, back to X Men. Because I feel like Xavier's they, men. Yeah. They really missed the boat after first class like that was there do you think that was because i have this feeling i I don't mean to interrupt but i have this feeling that had they stuck with we're rebooting this thing in first class uh we're going to have sequels that are essentially not every year of progression for the students but basically you know we're going to go back and we're going to stay in those in the in that era and we're going to build out of that era had they done that i was on board man like, well, First Class and, is great. That is a great movie. And you get more of the bright, young, awesome actors. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, just more time with Jennifer Lawrence. More time with, with McAvoy. More time with Fassbender. Like, to go and rush right into Days of Future Past, although very exciting because that is one of the most well-regarded X-Men stories of all time. Sure. And you kind of have that perfect element of, uh, oh, well, look, we have this old universe, we have this new universe, we can have all these old actors come back and it can be super great. I just feel like it it totally hamstrung 
where they were going. Because I agree with you. I was really in love. Like, First Class was very similar to Batman Begins for me. Yeah. Where it's like, I don't know if it would ever be my favorite of, of a rebooted X-Men universe, but I know it set me up mm-hmm. for for an amazing one, yep. you know? And, and I remember initially when First Class did so well, they were talking about bringing in some of the X-Factor characters. And maybe you, you don't necessarily do Dark Phoenix, but you bring in Cable and Havoc and stuff like that. Like you, you, you bring in some of these mutants that we've never seen before that are well-regarded. Uh, and I think they kind of had their lunch eaten from within their own studio. And mm-hmm. that is my biggest thing. For anybody who wants to say <clears throat> that they just need to put the X-Men away, you know, I will remind you that uh, the biggest grossing, the second highest grossing superhero movie of the year involved the X-Mansion <laughs> and two X-Men. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're, we're, we're not... Uh, and by the way, you know, not only promised to do a sequel with Cable, but, you know, joked about it in their post-credits scene. Right. Right. No, that's right. So, so. Spoilers. Yeah. So this leads me to my solution. I have a final solution. I shouldn't say uh, final. Well, uh, phrase. Yeah. Phrasing. 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 Um, all right. My solution for fixing the X-Men is to not do a big blown out X-Men for a while. What, okay. you, what you need to do is you take a bit of what you learned from your own breakout hit Deadpool and yeah. you take a little bit of what you're learning from what Marvel Studios is doing over at Disney okay. and you apply that thinking. That thinking is this. You don't need to make a movie with 25 heroes in it. Although you could argue, argue Civil War and Avengers and those, they do that and they... And Civil War maybe breaks the rule a little bit because it's supposed to be a Captain America film, but it's really an Avengers movie. Yeah. Um, but uh, take take a, a card from those guys when they get quiet and do individual projects. So what you need to do is make smaller movies with a couple of characters that matter. And the reason that Deadpool worked so well for me personally wasn't just that Deadpool was so well represented and that it it really captured the humor and the kind of the, the uh, irreverence of, of what Deadpool represents and all of that. That was all well done and everything. But for me, the big kicker was, or the big winner of that movie was, how did they incorporate uh, Colossus in that movie? How did yeah. they incorporate that girl I'd never seen before now? I forgot her Negasonic name. Negasonic Teenage Warhead. That one. Uh, that made the movie for me because it brought, it made me remember, oh yeah, this is part of a bigger thing, Right. And any of those people could show up anytime, and it's so self-aware that it knows what the mansion is, and it knows nobody else's home, and it knows just Colossus and this girl are there. Like it's funny on that level, but also it just works as kind of a good cop, bad cop kind of combination. So why not spend some time thinking about smaller stories that focus on? I know Wolverine's got his own series, so I get it. They're kind of doing that with him, but focus in on Scott Summers and I don't know. Iceman on a on a mission from Professor X somewhere in the part of the world where we don't really get to see the rest of those chuckleheads, where it's just <clears throat> some smaller story, make it a little genre like, you know, add in a few tweaks that make it feel a bit like Civil or not Civil War, but um, uh, Winter Soldier felt like a seventy spy thriller, and um, 
you know, you know how they do that at Marvel. Come up with ways of doing that. All right, Justin, don't answer me yet because we have a phone call. Who's this? This is Oscar from Katy, Texas. Hey, man, what's going on, Oscar? It's nice to see you. I, I, I um, believe that's uh, Brushwood's hometown. Oh, is it? Katy, yep. Texas. Yeah. Oh, lovely. Oh, for real? Yeah, cool. you should go over there so, and yeah. stalk him yeah. or do weird do weird stuff on his well, lawn. Well, no, no, like, no, not, not, no, he doesn't live there. I think he grew up. Oh, he grew up there. All right. Yeah. Fair so enough. You can, I don't know. To toilet paper is ancestral home. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> uh, I was wondering, you think, you think that Fox, you think Fox should do what they did with Spider-Man, give the rights to X-Men to Marvel Studios, and then whole new cast and everything? Would that fix the X-Men? Well, if you look at what they, so all right, so the deal that they inked with with Sony was we're it's basically like a we'll help you out kind of deal right Justin like well no it's basically just a talent swap so uh Sony can uh Sony makes all the money from yeah. a Spider-Man movie yeah they pay mm -hmm. Kevin Feige uh probably with the deal through Marvel to produce that but other than that Marvel does not get directly paid from the grosses of a Sony Spider-Man movie, and in return, uh, Marvel can use Spider-Man in their films, like they did in Civil War. Okay, so it's not quite the same as um, it's not like they signed the signed away the rights back to to Marvel or anything. It's not like it's no. permanently theirs. It was like no. this one-shot kind of way of making everybody keep face and look good. But well, no, basically it, they're just hiring Marvel and Disney. At, to make their movies for them. Okay. So from now on, are we going to get Spider-Man films, sequels, and stuff that are, you know, that again... Produced by Marvel. Or I mean, produced, produced by, by Kevin Feige, yeah. Oh, I didn't you understand know. that part of it. That is a big deal. Yeah, so Kevin Feige is, you know, uh, when Civil War came out, they were asking him about, like, you know, well, how are things going? He's like, well, so far, so good. Well, the problem, caller, and the problem in general is that we don't, we don't have any idea or, or any, I don't know that there's any way to tell whether Fox is in a position or a place of desiring to do this at all. Like how do we, do, uh, I, I, I heard, I heard rumors that, that in the executive level of Fox and Marvel, there's people that want to do this, but it's just rumors. So I'm not sure. 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 Happen, and I'll, and I'll bet if you, I mean, I'll bet if we could hear, if we could be a fly on the wall in lots of meeting rooms, I'll bet there's like a, crap ton of people over at Fox who would gladly hand the keys over in this fashion um, yep. in order to you know make sense on keeping this thing alive and maintain whatever it costs them to to keep pushing these movies out and actually make more money the problem is so, I don't know I don't know how the, well, let me let me be the guy just to, to, to say if I'm at Fox hey by the way we have the second highest grossing superhero movie of the year yeah. and that's probably gonna stay that way yeah. by the way we just took a third tier character and made him made a movie that made more than Batman versus Superman. And it was rated, so, it was rated R. It was super underground in terms of knowledge base. Like they so, really pulled one out with that. So it's like, why are we looking for other people to make our movies for us? Yeah, that's a good point. It's a you good know, point. But, but listen, if you're, if your X-Men movies are tanking and I'm not saying it's tanking, it may do just fine. Cause they're not, no, 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 they're doing, they're doing okay. Right. But, but there is certainly an enthusiasm gap. Sure. I mean, the fact that either of us saw it is yeah. a bad sign. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because we are supposed to be the bleeding edge. And unlike you, I revel in going to a movie by myself like I'm some sort of uh, jaded loser. And I did exactly that this weekend. And yeah. I saw the Lonely Island movie. Yeah. 
<laughs> I was gonna say I saw no I saw no reaction tweets from you regarding uh, X Men, and I thought interesting. Yeah, no, I went yeah. to go see the Lonely Island flick because I, I, that was a more interesting movie going experience to me than going to see uh, uh, X Men, where it's like, and so here, let me let me make, let me put it this way: the two films that to me were were you know set the standard yeah. for where we are in terms of superhero cinema were Deadpool and Civil War. Yeah, Deadpool, low budget, super clever writing. Uh, wore its budgetary um, issues on its sleeve, right? Civil War is about as good as you're ever going to get a movie of that size and scale. Yeah, I think they kind of crested the the outer so it's like, bubble of that. Yeah. So, and the, even there, they didn't. I mean, that was a huge, gigantic superhero movie where the fate of the world wasn't at stake. Yep. It was the fate of friendship. Between two characters we liked. Mm-hmm. It was a deeply personal story yeah. that was not about, you know, oh, here's a big superpower that's going to ruin the world. And I'll, I'll bet you we'll have to punch him really hard to make him stop. <laughs> like, oh, wait, we, we couldn't punch him anymore. We, we need that thing that was introduced in the first scene. Like, <laughs> oh, we lost it. Oh, we got it back. Oh, in the last minute. Here's a. Liberty gibbets. We got them. <laughs> Liberty gibbets. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> like, I, I just feel like we're kind of done with that, which is a shame that X-Men has kind of fallen. Like, I think that's the reason why this movie is, has such an enthusiasm gap problem is that it's like, all right, so you put Oscar Isaac in, you know, a, a bunch of, uh, you know, foam rubber. And and he's gonna wander, you know, waddle around like he's the Kool Aid Man running through walls. Um, and and then they're gonna bind together and they're gonna kill him, right? Yeah, but yeah. like, there's a reason why the poster or billboard of of Jennifer Lawrence getting choked has been more in the public eye than the reaction to the movie. Yeah. Also. Uh... You've just made clear to me why I'm not interested in this movie. I'll tell you what that is in a second. First, we're going to take a call from Peter Fisher. Peter, what's up? Hi. Uh, just talk, thinking about Jerry saying Fox, saying, well, we've got the second highest movie of the year. Maybe we don't need help from Marvel. They shouldn't look into that too much because how many jokes in Deadpool was about Fox not believing in them and not giving them enough money to... <laughs> make the movie they said well we had to cut this because we don't have any money i would say a shocking amount of what was shown in that film was uh with jokes in that film were aimed at uh at fox i mean but the fact that fox let them do it is kind of proof that they get it that's right? true but or, but or, or they got it enough that's true and but also it, yeah like i feel like those fit so well because that's deadpool mm. Right. Yeah, that's a, a good point. A, a Deadpool movie is going to joke about the fact that uh, Fox screwed up his character once what and, are, and it, is going to be obsessed with Hugh Jackman. What it reminded right? me of, it reminded me of a, of a roast, like a hardcore Comedy Central roast, where, yeah. uh, where, the, where the jokes were like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they freaking went there. But still somehow it, it was all in good fun, you know? Like that's yeah. hard to do, I think, really hard to pull off, especially when you are the, the, the studio. And we all have this idea that the studio 
is a bunch of old white men in suits who uh, are very careful about everything that's done and said and, and whatever. Yeah. And I, I think that's well, a and, and please do not confuse that with old white men in T-shirts, which is <laughs> who's talking to you now for these podcasts. <laughs> Ah, uh, you're pretty young still. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good point, but I don't think. See, they were the jokes in that movie were at the expense of Fox, with the full knowledge and acceptance of Fox. That's different yeah. than them somehow getting jokes past the studio and then only into our only knowing ears and having us go, oh, look at that. There's some internal strife going on because they would. How would they make so much fun of the studio? No, that's like that's Deadpool. That's like. You know, if he's not well, and, in the, in, and and but here's what's more important about trusting that creative team, yeah, is that they just made it work. Yeah. You know, like right now we're getting you know reports that that there's like massive reshoots for Rogue One. Oh yeah, right, yeah. And I don't know whether that's good news or bad news. Well, some people would say it's just news because what happens is that it's barely that because movies get reshoots all the time. Well, sure, right, but this there's obviously somebody is yelling this. To well, the press, it's a bigger deal because more, it's Star Wars, though, right? That's why. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Again, it's not what's reported; it's how it's reported and what language is used. Yeah. Always, whenever you read that, like whether or not you take it literally, you believe it. Like, okay, that's fine. You can have that discussion. I'm always more interested in who's talking to the press about this. Yeah. And why do they want to talk to the press about this? Yeah. Well, you this know? is because you're you got reporter blood, man. It's in, well, it's yeah, because it's not it doesn't magically happen. Right. Like, you know, somebody says something to a reporter for the reporter to write about. It. That's a so, good point. So, I mean, but like, you know, Deadpool, that final action sequence where Deadpool forgets his guns again in the cab. <laughs> yeah, that was supposed to be a big action sequence. And then they got their budget cut. Well, that was and brilliant so, then. And so they're like, all right, well, let's figure it out. And that's what I like about that creative team. They just made it. Work. Yeah, they took the pieces they had and made it work. Caller, you're on the air. Who's this? John Dempsey in Augusta, Georgia. Hey, man, let's go. Ooh, Augusta, Georgia. That's gonna be nice and hot down there. I hope you're. I hope you're doing all right. It's raining today. It's not too bad. Oh, good, 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 good. What's on your mind? Uh, just, just the whole genre to me is dead. I'm just tired of of those superhero movies. I'm just they're just played out to me. Okay, let me ask you a question. Is it because of this yeah. problem we were talking about earlier, where um? There's a there's an Ultron style uh, ultimate threat that we have to take care of, and the final set piece has to be a huge attack on New York or a giant. Yeah, I can't. I'm I'm sick of that. Yeah, it's the stories are terrible. I I enjoyed Deadpool, but it was basically Van Wilder with a suit on. You know, I mean, <laughs> it, it, Ryan Reynolds is just funny. I mean, so Deadpool was good, but I just I cannot. I've admitted I'm a 50 year old man, but I mean, I just get tired of the comic book genre. Yeah. I, I, I don't I, I don't think that you're wrong. And I think that there's there is there has to be an evolution of this storytelling. And I think that's why Marvel made Civil War the way they made it, mm. because they just especially because they're moving into what might be the biggest ever of the big evil guy needs to get punched. Um, you know, with, with Infinity War. Sure. They had to do it where it was a smaller story where we cared about things that were other than. You know, oh, this is such a hard burden. Oh, I might have to make the ultimate sacrifice. You know, those are themes that we have worn threadbare. Well, this is this is why I'm interested in a shift that would focus more personal attention on individual characters or pairs of them or two or three of them or something like that. 
like back to the original question of how do you save how do you save the X-Men or what do you do with the X-Men moving forward? Why not approach them that way? They don't always have to be like my favorite bits of X-Men lore are and and conflict have nothing to do with the giant blue spaceman or the giant whatever thing they got to fight together. My biggest or my thing I enjoy the most is why are they being so discriminated against? What is it about people that makes them behave this way when someone's different than them? Like the core concepts of the X-Men are really good. Like there's really interesting stuff there and it's powerful to see uh, Ian McKellen's young character at a concentration camp bending uh, a gate apart because his parents are being stripped away from him during the Holocaust. There's something yeah. powerful about knowing that, uh, you know, what's-her-name can't touch a boy or kiss a boy without completely destroying him. Like, yeah. That's really interesting, and they, they've gotten away from that. They don't talk about that stuff anymore. It's not about them, I and it is on the larger themes and it's Magneto going, they'll never understand, so therefore we're the superior ones. <laughs> and, I, and so the allegory, maybe it's played out, but I think personal stories of individual character experience would be way more interesting than we have to fight giant blue demon man. I, I agree. I think, although I think specifically those issues, you gotta, like, they are, they are, um, handled with care, I guess, would be my, my, uh, my, my point, you know. Like they could be overwrought, and they often are a well, little they, overwrought. They could be, but if you if you establish more character, and yes. spend a ton of time with somebody like I don't know. I'm trying to think of a character. Let's say uh, I don't know. I can't think of a good X Men character I'd want to do this with. But let's just say Jean Grey. Uh, just sure. I'm saying her name, and you just spend a bunch of time with her that deals with more than just she has these powers. She's different than everybody else. It's really hard for her. Like you go deeper. Who, who does she know? Who does she talk to? What are her parents like? Why are they? Why is the world the way it is through her eyes? Like, like just get more personal with it. Then that stuff plays off personality and plays off personal experience in a way that is potentially wholly unique to her and not just a group of guys in tights. Yeah. We're all fighting the same fight. You know what I mean? I mean, I think that there's certainly... the All right, so the, the, the two biggest problems with X-Men movies, in my opinion... <clears throat> in general, is just, A, they can't keep that group to, like, four and under, which it should. Yeah. Right? Like, right. we don't, the X-Men don't need to be nine people. And yet, you know, everybody in the X-Men is so toyetic, in the words of the, you know, marketing people, that, like, of course you want to have Nightcrawler, and of course you want to have Colossus, and of course you want to have Iceman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Archangel, like all these amazingly iconic characters that everybody would want to buy toys about. Of course you want to have them in there, but I don't think that serves the story mm. because you don't get, uh, you know, you, you, you just don't get the, the, the characters. You don't get the relationships, Yeah, you know, civil war, civil war skirted very close to this as well. The difference is, we they, know those. They people. already established these relationships in a we way that was meaningful. We know everybody there. Yeah, exactly. Like, we know. We know Scarlet Witch and the Vision. Yeah, right. It's yeah. funny to see the Vision walk around in an ascot because we know who he is. <laughs> uh, caller on the line. Who's this? Hey, this is Jake from San Diego. Hey, man, what's going on in San Diego today? That's uh, nice and beautiful oh, here. Oh man, um, I'm jealous. So with the excellent movies, I wanted to talk about. Uh, I saw the movie. I, I thought it was okay. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a little bit. But the last like thirty seconds of the movie, I'm not going to spoil it, are 
the coolest part of the movie because it kind of harkened back to like the 80s cartoon and the, and the 90s cartoons. And that's what I think the movies need more is relatable characters, not... The whole movie, Jennifer Lawrence, wasn't Mystique. She was Jennifer Lawrence. Mm. And then the last 30 seconds of the movie, they're like, oh, well, there's Mystique. Why didn't... Why wasn't that in the entire movie? Mm. And that's what I feel like it's kind of strayed away from the comics than the other Marvel movies have. And then also Spider-Man, they brought him back to a teenager. That's what I loved about X-Men when I was a kid was all the characters were like me. They're like teenagers with yeah, they were they were They were students going through all the normal teenage problems, but then they had this added layer of uh, complex issues to deal with. Totally, I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of that. That's, I think, why I like First Class so much because First Class sort of addressed that. Okay, I have another fix for you. Here's a fix. How about this? Yeah. You take... Um, you take the uh, the X Men there. Uh, what was I going to say? Shoot, it was it was kind of on. Oh, I know what it was. So he just has some of this some of the stuff at the end of the movie harken back to the eighties and nineties cartoons for him. Yeah, Marvel is uniquely positioned. I think maybe not so much anymore, but it feels like they are because they're Disney. Uh, if they struck the right deal, let's say they struck a deal with Fox or Fox Animation wants to do it. But what about some smaller character based? animated really well animated projects be they 3d or be they traditional animated anime style something something but what do it does it all have to be live action for the for the stuff i know there's direct to dvd and, and dc does well there and marvel's kind of okay there but uh scott no if you want me to care about it yes <laughs> i'm sorry I, I i know that you're an animation guy yeah. like i i'm i'm not I can get down with it when it's really, really good, but like, man, I'm here for the people. I'm here. I'm I'm here for the actors. Like, I'm here for the live action, and that's fine. We all got different tastes, yeah. but you know, if you can have it, like, have you heard some of the rumors on on uh, Hulk and Thor? No, the new Thor movie. Well, other than that, they're you know, buddy in around space or whatever. Apparently. And this apparently, you know, who had this way early? Like, I remember reading the first report about this like years and years ago after the first Avengers that they wanted to do a Hulk movie and they wanted to do planet Hulk. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Apparently there is a large portion of this movie that puts Thor and Hulk in a gladiatorial planet where they need to establish themselves and fight their way out together. Not together. A, okay. Uh, I'm into that. Oh my like, god, am I into that? <laughs> that sounds right? great to me. Yeah. Like a buddy movie where they end up where, you know, in they're in gladiatorial gear, you know, mm -hmm. back to back fighting, you know, whatever passes for a crazy lion on some crazy planet <laughs> with Jeff Goldblum looking down and pointing angrily like all day and twice on Sunday. You kidding me? I love that you've did you just cast him out of the sky or is No, is, I think he's in it. Oh, is he in it? <laughs> uh I got, so, he can destroy the entire Hulk and Thor army just with a MacBook, uh, an old MacBook Pro with a uh, system seven. Sit on it, sit on it. Yeah, and you just um, need you need one of the the Quaid brothers to fly up the ass of the thing, and everything will be fine. Anyway. And the words of my people are <laughs> yours. Um, yeah, you know, I, I just think like, okay, look, now we have something fun. Now we have something exciting. Like, it, 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 there's just and I, that by the way, 
how much if your thoughts are you like kicking yourself in the head that you cast Jennifer Lawrence as a shapeshifter who has to get eight hours of body paint every day <laughs> to film her. Right. There's a reason why in both days of future past and in X-Men apocalypse that she just decides to look like somebody who happens to look a lot like Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. That's stuff. They don't do it like they did back with the, uh, what's her, what's her name? Uh, no, well, for two reasons. Number one, Jennifer Lawrence doesn't want to get eight hours of body paint every single day. Right. Right. And she does and, and she's in a position where she can not have to do that. She can say, Hey, I'm Jennifer Lawrence. How about you don't put me in eight hours of body paint every day? Yeah. And number two, uh, they want to put Jennifer Lawrence in the movie with her face showing so they can they can say, hey, did you like the Hunger Games? Come see X-Men. Mm-hmm. Like if, if Jennifer Lawrence was Jean Grey and not Mystique, I feel like this franchise would also be in a bit of a different place. Yeah, you're probably right. I, I haven't heard how she did, uh, although Ibbot saw it and said that he thought she was OK, but she just seemed like Sansa Stark the whole time. Well, because she's playing a similar character, right? A character is overwhelmed and, and, you know, is of great import, but is going to discover her purpose slowly but surely. Probably throw you off a little, too, to hear the American accent and stuff, you know? Like, just, it's just weird to see her. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you know, British people and their American accents. Just, come on. They're the worst. Well, I mean, yeah. And and, and, I don't know. Hopefully we'll be able to get over it with Doctor Strange. Basically stole, uh, you know, House MD's accent. Yeah, good point. Uh, we got a caller real quick. Hi, who's this? Hey, it's Chris and KC. Hey, man. Hey, man, what's going on? Hey, I, I think you're dead on, on on what they need to do with the X-Men, kind of take it down the road with individual stories, and, and also look at what Marvel's doing to where a lot of their movies aren't just a superhero movie. They're a heist movie or a buddy movie or a, or something like that that happens to be set in a superhero world with superhero characters. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Hollywood is most stories are not rehashes but there's a lot of like common commonality to certain plots like if, if if a heist movie works it's because the structure of a heist movie is is strong people like it if people like reading uh, post-apocalyptic fiction well that's because they all have a common kind of thread through them which is the world is ending why and we got to stop it right so there's a reason why people like the familiarity of those stories and when you make it a spy movie a heist movie a buddy cop movie whatever uh, you bring some familiarity to a larger audience that they already are familiar with that kind of thing, and you give it a new coat of paint. I'm totally cool with that. I don't think it's rehashy. I think it works. Comic books do this anyway. Like the actual comics we're talking about take those kinds of uh, tropes and ideas and existing plots that have been around since the dawn of recorded time. I just got done screaming and yelling about how excited I would be for a Planet Hulk story, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which was ripped off from Conan, which was ripped off from John Carter of Mars. Yeah. Which, right. It's the exact same story. Yeah. No, over and over and, and over it, and again. It really, and it's awesome every time. Yeah. It, and it really. Except it, for the remake of John Carter from Mars, <laughs> which sucked. <laughs> right. But that's the idea. Like, take a thing that works and then go, but what if this is yeah. a superhero? Like, that's Take fun. it and you turn it. Yeah. And Marvel's done a, a pretty good job of that. Um, also. Don't forget, like you might say to yourself, well, they can't get away with doing characters that aren't Wolverine or uh, I don't even know who else it would be, I guess Magneto or something. They, they can't go any more personal than that. And I would say, well, then how come we're getting, you know, a Black Panther movie? How come we're getting a Miss Marvel slash Captain Marvel movie? Like we're, yeah. we're getting small characters. Thor, there's a, there are three Thor movies, two done, one in the works. Thor Guardians, movies, guys. Guardians of the Galaxy might make well, will almost assuredly make more than Batman versus Superman. Yeah. Guardians 2. Yeah. Guardians 2 is going to be one of the biggest movies of the year. Yeah. 
When does you that know? come out? When is that's not this year, is it? Next year. Oh jeez. Getting excited for no reason. When's that next year? Next summer, next fall, next whatever. Doesn't matter. I think that's the May slot. I'm or excited. the end of the summer slot. I'm really excited about that. That's good news for everyone involved. Yeah. Uh we got another caller here. Hi, you're on the air. Who is this? Oh, uh, this is Cody. Hey Teddy, what's going on, man? Uh, not much. Just uh the hype is real. Yeah, the hype is real. It's always real and you're real and you're here and you got an idea uh, you got something to say. What's up? Well, I think I think he's uh he's he is uh, uh tipping off for for our 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 watch the throne segment. Oh. <laughs> oh yeah, they are definitely, definitely, definitely. Well, we'll yeah, get, no, not yeah. much going on. I don't know. I'm, I haven't been listening, so I don't know what you guys are talking about. Oh. <laughs> maybe you got a real, 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 real quick. Maybe you can have a quick question. Uh, <laughs> sure. The By the way, or... we need to have a name for for this type of caller, like because I love them because they're so passionate about the show that they just want to call in and talk. Yeah, they don't know what we're. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's amazing. But it is. It is like like the late. Like I feel like 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 they're like the laters, right? They're like the guy who's late to the party yeah. and is just you know just he wants to be in the party, yeah. so hey, it's really rad. Hey like, guys, wallflower, something like that. Something like know. that. We'll keep, we'll think of a name for you. But what's yeah. your uh, what's your question? You say you got one all prepped for us. What do you got? Okay, when it when it comes to shows, I've had talks with this uh, about this with some of my friends and stuff. Shows like Game of Thrones, um, and I mean we're notorious for binging shows. But do you guys think a show is better served watched? slowly over the course of, you know, a season every week or when you sit down and you binge watch it, are you more immersed or, oh, you know, okay. know where I'm going with this? Yeah. So the, yeah, so the I, HBO, shows it's the, I really feel like week to week, that's my opinion. So you've got HB, you got the HBO model versus the Netflix models, basically what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, all right, Perfect. let's, let's discuss this. I like this idea. All right. So here's, here's my theory. I, it will probably not shock you that I have one grand unifying theory on this. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm blown away already. Go ahead. <laughs> so I believe that binge watching tends to cover up for slow storytelling. Mm. So, for example, there are seasons of Lost that even by the creator's admission were a lot of stretching. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, that is better served to binge watch because you're just kind of getting... You know, you you don't have a week's worth of frustration of like, oh my god, I waited a week just to watch Sawyer get lost in the woods and get annoyed by a frog sound for an hour, like, and then we found out that you know, two years before he got on the fateful plane ride, he lost his keys and yeah. you know yeah. had to get a, a meal at Jack in the Box. Like that's stupid. Um, <laughs> but if you're just binge watching it, then you're like, oh look, he lost his keys. Okay. Oh, next episode. Oh, they uh, they all fell in the hatch backwards, and now we find out that uh, the Dharma Initiative also sold Pepsi Cola. Um, <laughs> wow. Hold on a minute. Your version of events in Lost are better than what I was presented with. I feel ripped off. I've been so yeah. Like I guess what my point is is that I remember like seasons two and three of Lost. Being like, oh my god, this was like until it picked up at very specific points. I was like, this show sucks. I think I might stop watching it. Um, and then people I know who binge watch it were just like, yeah, you know, there was always like, you know, there was always enough in an hour that, you know, could move me on to the next hour. Yeah. And I could just watch, 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 watch it. Um, I do think that, you know, there are some shows that are very, very dense in their writing and plotting and very specific in what they're tipping. And their foreshadowing and and how they build their universe, stuff like Mad Men, right? Mm. Where especially it's a period piece that wanted to be very faithfully um, 
you know, faithful to the to the the, the the moment in time. There's a scene, I believe, in the first or second season where uh, uh, one of the bosses at uh, Sterling Cooper, I think it was Cooper, makes a, a reference to how at Republican fundraisers, if Richard Nixon gets around a piano, you won't be able to chase him off it, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's a, it's a throwaway line. Yeah. But in the week between episodes, I wound up reading some blog posts that was about like how much Richard Nixon loved to play piano and all these recorded, you know, uh, things of him playing the piano on television and stuff like that. That was cool. Yeah. I liked getting into that. I liked the fact that the show made reference to that in a real way. I enjoyed my time. So it's like very specific shows in the same way that you would say very specific food should be savored very slowly because there is complexity to it. I completely agree. I think uh, Walking Dead's a better binge show than it is a weekly. And I think that um, I think Game of Thrones is better weekly, not because I wouldn't want to binge on it, but because there's a there is a hype level and a like freak out level and a community. We're all going to be talking about this thing going on that makes it way fun during the week to be riffing on it, talking about it, discussing it. Uh, that sort of thing. So well, and and that's a huge universe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like we we got, and in fact, we should probably just you want you want to start. Uh, yeah. Here's our start? here's our yeah. theme. Okay, we're talking spoilers. It's a freaking deal. It's a oh wait, wait, no, no, we have to do our plugs. Oh, do our okay. Um, give me a plug. What do you got? Okay, first and foremost, hat.t2t2.eu. If you would like to, uh, uh, both Scott and I have podcasts that are up for podcast awards. You can very easily uh, vote the slate of independent podcasts that deserve to get rewarded uh, over at hat.t2.eu. Uh, get a little bookmarklet. Uh, it'll, sh- it'll ferry you through the, uh, the, the, the ballot where you can click everything. Just go ahead and hit submit. Remember to vote every day and check your emails. Uh, we very much want to recognize all the hard work that goes into independent podcasts like Hypothetical Help, like Politics, 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 like The Angry Chicken, like Hack 5, we are not part, I mean, the only networks we're a part of are our own, right? Yeah. Like, we're not, we're not getting funding from anybody else. We have, we have scraped for every little bit of this, and uh, I would love to have all of us get rewarded. You can very easily do that at hat.t2t2.eu. Yeah, and uh, huge thanks to T2T2 once again for uh, giving us this easy, incredible way to do this. All right, I'm going to play this terrible uh, trailer, okay? It's yeah. real bad. Oh, wait, here. Can I do one more thing? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so uh, the patrons for the jury uh, Patreon, which uh, covers that and politics, 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 uh, I had a goal to do a little mini tour. I'm going to do that this weekend. So I will be in uh, Louisville. I will be in Cincinnati. And I will be in uh, Chicago Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Friday, Louisville. Uh, uh, Saturday, Cincinnati, and Sunday, Chicago. If you'd like to go, these are in the in the literal literal living rooms of uh, of, of people. They have uh, graciously opened it up to other listeners. If you would like to come see me do the shows live in somebody's living room, please email me at justinrobertyoung at gmail Put Jury Louisville or Louis, or, sorry, uh, Jury uh, Chicago in the subject line. Day of the event, I will email you the uh the actual address uh so you can come see it if you're in cincinnati we will just be at the 16-bit bar 7 p.m saturday night all right Uh, while you're there though 
Yeah. You, when you're in each of these places, you need to refer to him as Slugger while he's in Louisville. You need to refer to him as John while he's in Cincinnati. And when he's in Chicago, <laughs> you can call him. I don't know. Why can't they go get a Chicago one? The, the podcast host with the big shoulders. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I almost forgot. I have nothing to pimp, really, except this weekend is the uh, uh, Warcraft premiere. Uh, John, uh, Tom Merritt, Brian Ibbett, myself, a whole bunch of Frog Panthers and friends and family and people coming from all over the place are going to be there to watch it. So if you're coming, uh, just uh, look forward to seeing you there. It's uh, it's uh, too late, really, to get tickets, I think, at this point. But uh, if you all want in, uh, or if you want in, I don't know, email me. Maybe we still have some left. I don't know. You guys need to do some kind of podcast. Yeah, some we'll do something. Some kind of, like, reaction podcasts with everybody live there guaranteed we'll do something i don't know what but something all right all right here's the dumb here's the stupid theme here you go watch the thrones watch here's the theme song one song one song only (laughs) oh it is just the (laughs) it's the shittiest thing it's so shitty it's like a hot turd it's so bad <laughs> All right, so uh, let's um, let's dive right in. It's uh, the Game of the Thrones happened, and uh, boy, Clegane Bowl one step closer. Okay, but like, yes, we now have all the pieces. We have confirmed that the pieces exist for a Clegane Bowl. Yeah. But we all kind of assumed that it would come together because he has been brought in to you know the seven, right? The light of the seven. Yeah. To the church, granted a, you know, this is the very, uh, you know, uh, a crunchy Muir Woods, uh, you know, version <laughs> of the Catholic Church. Yeah, right? I, this is very Protestant, but still some of the same tenets. Sure, but he's wearing no, he's wearing the he's wearing the the, the seven, the medallion of the seven. Yeah, but that's right? like it's like your Baptist friend wearing a cross. You know what I mean? Like it's the same. <laughs> you want to know what? Like. I assume that a lot of people can understand that metaphor more than I can. <laughs> well, no, because it's traditionally like a Catholic symbol, right? Man, listen, you are talking to the wrong person, man. I was, I was, I was baptized Methodist, which is basically like you know a long nap away from being atheist. <laughs> um, so anyway, that's almost uh, Lutheran. Good lord! All right, anyway, keep going. So. I assumed when we saw those riders roll up yeah. that that was going to be, you know, that, that Ian McShane, who, like, really the most disappointing thing in the history of the Game of Thrones series is that they introduced Ian McShane into the universe and then killed him off for in a, one episode. For a damn episode, I was so irritated by that. Not because it could have been any other guy. And actually, had it been any other guy, this is the brilliance of the casting. Had yeah. it been just some British dude, yeah, I would have good. It was great. Who was right? good? I would have said, "Oh, well, he's dead by the end of this." Like, yeah, I would have known. But because you got Ian McShane, his triumphant return to an HBO property since Deadwood, yeah, I thought, "Oh, we're in for a nice long time." He's like the anti-Sparrow. He's like this other side of the. Th- you know, I'm, I, my brain's going in a hundred directions about wh- what his ultimate outcome is, and they yeah. freaking hung him and killed him by the end of it. Although, but just brilliant, where he's like, you know, you're all like fist pumping, like, yeah, you know, violence isn't always the answer, right, guys? Yeah. And then it's like, oh no, wait, he's dead. Yeah, it's it's one <laughs> answer. It's at least one answer that we're. Uh, yeah, aware it's of. like uh, it's kind of the answer if uh, someone's gonna come and kill. Yeah, him. you live in Westeros, the answer is violence. That's just exactly. The way it is. Yeah. Anyway, uh, he was amazing, and they should. I wish there was a way. Is any Lords of Light hanging around? They could just bring him back because he's great. Gosh, yeah. So. so 
But that's what I thought. I thought that we would get, you know, word had gotten back to the Sparrow that Sandor Clegane lives and uh, that he was now going to be summoned to fight his brother in trial by combat, right? I think that's where we all assumed the Clegane Bowl was going. So while we now get our second half, our missing second half of the Clegane Bowl, it doesn't look like, I mean, because now he's going to go on a kill crazy axe murder spree, uh, you know, through whatever ravagers yep. uh, that that killed his his new posse. Yeah. Uh, and, and I don't know. I don't know if we get Clegane Bowl. I think we're going to I think it's more likely than ever that we're going to get Clegane Bowl, but it may not happen in the ways that we any of us think it may not even be. A bowl in the sense that, you know, they're spectators and they're gladiatorial sort of combat. It may end up being a dark alley somewhere during a rush to get out of town. A lot of other stuff happening. Uh, You know, Keith David and that wrestler. You have to have a reason to have Sandor go back to King's Landing. Yeah. Right? Because, A, if he goes back there, he's dead. Yeah. Right. He yeah. did abandon the king in 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 a time of need. Well, the uh, the king who's dead, but yeah. I mean, sure. Uh-huh. Like, but but look at you know people are still calling Jamie Lannister the Kingslayer, despite the fact that everybody still also acknowledges that he saved the city. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, uh, it, so you know, people don't forget about. They bring that. it up when it serves them, though. Like you know, what, uh, the Blackfish. It kind of serves him to bring up the fact that he. How do I trust you now? You're the freaking Kingslayer. He said. Well, how did he say it? He said. Trusting a Kingslayer is like trusting... Oh, what did he say? It was a good line. There were two yeah. good lines like that. There was the one, and then the sellsword guy made a comment I probably can't say to keep our clean tag. <laughs> but at some point he said... Oh, I'll give, well, I can give you the gist of it. He said, um, telling me this is like telling me I have the biggest wiener oh, yeah. in the in, entire in the unsullied, unsullied army. army. That made me <laughs> laugh my freaking head off. Anyway, that guy's great. He needs to be in there more just one bronze. line in it. Yeah, no, bronze yeah, he's so um, good. And by the way, we get we get a, uh, a tease that we get a tense standoff between Jamie and Brienne, a very uh, tense reunion between uh, America's favorite buddy cops. Well, I never saw the. I didn't see the last twenty minutes. Just kidding. I saw the whole thing. I'm kidding. It's a joke. I saw it. Never mind. <laughs> I saw it. I'm excited. Uh, that that sounds good to have those two back together uh, doing whatever they do. So, by the way, what what brought us into this, or maybe you want to start the segment, was the idea that. You know, when, when you're talking about watching things spread out, that there's, you know, we knew that there was a 10-year-old running Bear Island. Yeah. You know, we knew that before. Right. Uh, it was it was talked about before. So it's like, that's fun when you're able to explore those ideas in a show like this. That's just tossing all these referential elements, uh, you know, before you then go ahead and see, you know, the literal 10-year-old running well, who uh, was it last year? Um, uh, uh, I want to call him Artanis. That's not Stannis. Stannis, thank you. Yeah. Uh, Artanis is a StarCraft character. Um, T- Stannis, who brought her up in passing, I remember at the time going, who's he talking about? And why is he so yeah. flippant about her? And to have her not only show up and be realized, but have that 10-year-old actress kill it. Freaking huh? killed it, dude. I mean, she was really good. Like, not just... They got a kid to do a decent one scene, or like it, it, there was some depth to her. There was some f- some face to her that was just like, oh my gosh, she is a tough nickel, you know? Yeah, that's not even. No, a phrase. I mean this was this was an episode that was very much hung 
upon uh, Sansa, John, and uh, uh, what's his butt? Dav- Davros. Uh, Davos. Davos. Kind of doing their 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 Tommy Boy uh, sales road trip. <laughs> Yeah, that was. Uh, I enjoyed all that. I enjoyed his. I enjoy any time uh, the one-fingered uh, onion salesman's on screen. I think he's great. Uh, I find him fascinating and interesting in almost every way. He also looks a lot like my dad, when my dad would grow a lot of facial hair. Uh, <laughs> he's just cool, and I hope they don't ever have him die. And as I say that, I realize I'm condemning he him is to death. Almost certainly going. Yeah, to he's probably going to yeah. die soon. Um, the only I figure the only way to die right away in this show is to be nothing but good from the get go, like Ian yeah. McShane. If you're Ian McShane and you pop out and you go, "I'm good," you're dead. Yeah, you're dead. And he did. He yeah. died. Yeah, died in uh, 45 no, minutes. I, I I very much like the episode. Uh, if anything, again, you know, this is a season where I almost want them to go slower. You know, like I almost I I you know I feel like in other seasons of this show we'd get an episode where Jamie is on the road from King's Landing to the Riverlands, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and, and not this season, man. No, We're just going, right, going, going, they're going, They're right going. to it. But I also, part of me says, yeah, I agree with Justin, but part of me also says, the other half of me says, no, 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 keep this up because this is real fun. Like, I'm having more fun with the show than I ever have. Yeah. It's, it's moving at a clip that there are times where I'm like, okay, like that episode, he wasn't, like at some point you need to you need to sell to me why Sandor Clegane camera says last Clegane could be so drawn in by this group and have his heart softening in this way and you didn't yeah. really give us that time like you didn't quite give us enough time so part of it is just a couple of glances during a shot that is supposed to be enough for us and i feel a little a little patronized by that a little bit yeah, I mean, they tried their best with a limited uh, limited canvas, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I think everything that you're supposed to know about Sandor Clegane, you know, in the, in the time that we haven't seen him, we should get in while it's taking four people, uh, you know, each to carry a log. He is doing it all by himself. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which shows his dedication which shows that he's full strength, which shows that uh, others are still kind of scared of him and that even in this new world where people will accept him and he doesn't feel the pressure to, to murder on command, mm-hmm. that he's still a monster. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, something that, you know, having seen him again after so long, do you know how handsome that guy is in real life? I've seen him in other stuff, and he is a good-looking dude. He's like a really good-looking dude, and yeah. they really, man, it, that's such a subtle makeup job where you're just like, oh, God, you do just recoil whenever you see him. <laughs> because this is like, he so rarely is just in full light, yeah, right? Yeah, when he's when you get him out in the in the sunlight like that. Yeah, he normally like, he's in Ooh. pubs or in candlelight and stuff like that, and he yeah. always looks like a very dark and mysterious monster, but when you get all of his his burn scars out there in, in the, in, in full view. You're like, Oh God, that looks so terrifying. Yeah, and then so, you see him in like some Irish spring soap commercial. And you're <laughs> like, Oh geez, what a hunk. Yeah, no, he's a good looking buff dude. And he looks and, 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 but I, but it served him well on this one to, to kind of strip him bare a little bit, you know, to have him yeah. really exposed. And so I, so I see what they were trying to do overall. And I think they succeeded for the most part. It was just 
like two episodes of his relationship with that group spread out may have been a better idea. I think. So. I mean, listen. But then again, uh, it, you know, here's a crazy idea. I want more Game of Thrones. Like, yeah. you know, how about twenty four? Like, yeah, episodes we all again. do, kid. Yeah, I'd like another five episodes per season. That would be my request. Exactly. All right. A- any other uh, rapid fire thoughts here? I, I very much enjoyed Yara and Theon. Uh, great job. Oh by, yeah, I didn't know the... she she like she likes the ladies. Turns out. She's gonna, she's gonna friend the teats off one of them. Um, yeah, no, I didn't know that. So there's that. That's good. Uh, I like, I like everything to do with the Iron Islands spin on any of this. I've always loved. I mean, uh, the, I, I, I've always loved uh, the the Greyjoys. I've always loved the Iron Island. You know, the the Viking culture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it is, uh, it's always been my, one of my favorite, most fascinating parts of this universe. I loved what we got there. And, and I thought that really a, a sterling kind of acting performance from, uh, uh, Alfie, whatever his name is, who plays Theon yeah. to, to kind of like, when you talk about like acting, right. It's, it's that, like, I look down as one character and I look up as another character. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Totally. Totally. And that's, and that's really what, Kind of what when this show is clicking on all cylinders, acting and writing wise, like you kind of get stuff like that, and that's that's one of those kind of signature Game of Thrones scenes mm-hmm. where, uh, by the way, I don't think that gratuitous boobs hurt the scene. Scott, no, no, I don't either. Um, this was this is what I'm saying though. Like they have been they have been sparing they've been sparing with their use of it in a way I, that I respect <laughs> because again. I, I, I do not think that this scene would be listed as sparing in their use. Of I it. would say this scene is the first time this season they've done anything like that. Like no, that. You, I, I agree. And I it agree. felt this like is... it felt like a place where that would happen, though. Like it didn't feel it didn't a feel like house, a literal horror. Yeah, it didn't feel like it was wedged into a scene just to do it. Like it felt yeah. like, oh, OK, well, that's what they're doing. They've they've stolen all these ships. They're now trying to blow off some steam like this makes sense to me right now where it's happening so i did not i didn't i knew you were going to ask it but i never recoiled and went oh my gosh what, what a gratuitous you like it just felt like that was fun <laughs> no i know i'm just now uh, here's a I'm just Josh. here's the other thing that i'll say just in closing here yeah uh uh shit what was it oh 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 uh the previews for next week had me a little bit concerned and here's why it looks like we're we're back to uh, Marine and you know other things happening around the world that we didn't get to see this this episode. Yeah. Um, uh, so there's two things I'm worried about. One, you better give me more Arya next week because I need to know what the hell happened there because that's a lot of stab wounds to the a- abdomen. You're not going to live through that usually. Yeah. Um, if she lives through that, that's crazy. Uh, when I saw her getting stabbed, I, 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 I have a feeling she is going to run into somebody. Okay, that may be some kind of healer business. Some kind of shit will happen there. Uh, boy, I hate that girl though. That I just really want her dead now. The waif. Yeah, the waif. Um, so that's all one thing. The next thing of those, I noticed no no Brandon Stark for the preview. Best I can tell. So I'm really hanging on a thread up there in the north with what's happening by the tree with the freaking whites. I really need to know. You 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 left you left Hodor at the door, and you've moved out into the snow a little bit there, and I need to know what the hell's going on now. Like, I really am bugged that we didn't get any of that this week, and it looks like next week we may not either. Uh, I I have a feeling they are saving Bran's story. They are measuring out Bran's story because 
we are going to get to a point this season where we are going to get a gigantic information dump as he becomes more and more comfortable with his role as the three-eyed raven. Okay. Will he also have to be stuck in a tree with all his filth and smell like a piece of shit for the rest of his life? Like, uh, what's his name did before he got cut? The world may never know. (laughs) All right. I like ending on that question. All right. You're in San Jose. Good luck, Penguins. Let's go, Pens. Don't get... Come don't, on. Don't get the crap kicked out of you, dude. I'm worried. Uh, listen, I already got, listen, I got some real shifty eyes on me right now. I'll bet. You know? So I'm just, uh, I'm literally circled by sharks. I'm a little concerned for you. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, it's uh, Justin R. Young on Twitter. Anything else you want to throw out? I know we did plugs earlier. But... Uh, no, no, that's about it. I love you guys. I'll see you later. Yeah, you guys are amazing. Thanks so much for being here. We'll see you next week for a whole new Hotline Monday. See you then. Oh, music's quiet. I don't know why. Oh, here it is. All right. Okay, now it's loud again. <laughs> This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>